Hi, I'm Ali. And I'm Penny, and you're listening to Not Too Busy to Write. The podcast about writing, publishing and creativity amongst life's many other demands. Hello. Um, This week, um, Ali and I decided we wanted to talk about something really important that we haven't talked about before, uh, and that's rest. Um, And that might seem a bit of a funny thing to talk about when we usually talk about writing, but I think talking about rest is so important when you're talking about writing, particularly because often people are writing alongside a lot of other commitments like full-time work and parenting and all sorts of things. Um, so that is the topic for today. And so, Ali, how well do you think, how good do you think you are at, at resting? Um, I'm not I'm really shit at resting, <laughs> um, which is why I think it's important to talk about it. Um, I kind of realised that we talk quite a lot about being productive and um, getting things done and getting writing done. And you kind of need to talk about the other side of that, too. Um, and sometimes just constantly going and constantly doing isn't the best thing. Um, so yeah, and I I'm think not it's a, it's a good, it's a, I feel like it's a really good moment to talk about rest, particularly because we actually had to cancel a podcast recording the other day, you and I, because you were not feeling up to it. It feels like a good thing, good time to talk about it. Yeah, I had um, a migraine and I, the words were, coming out in a very strange order so it would have been quite a fascinating podcast but it might not have been very intelligible to most people so um, but also it would not have been good for you because you really needed to rest (laughs) at that point (laughs) exactly yeah so I think it is it's important to talk about because we can't I think there's a tendency to like glorify just constantly going um, and always being busy and we tend to measure ourselves in how much we achieve in a day and I know I'm guilty of that um I measure myself in words or in steps or you know there's all these like arbitrary ways of measuring our worth and our value and actually we need to learn to kind of step away from that and realize that at times um you're not going to be productive if you don't at least switch off a little bit well um I I have to say I'm not sure people will believe me when I say this but I'm actually really good at resting Um, And I think some people might find that surprising because I have quite a busy life and I do have a busy life um, and I have a lot of responsibilities. Um, And then I do random things like start a podcast, (laughs) 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 uh, you know, so I think people don't realize that actually I do rest a huge amount. And that is exactly why I manage the amount that I can manage is because of how much rest I have. For me, it goes way, way, way back to when I was a teenager and my mum was really unwell and I was um, one of her carers. And um, I just always knew I didn't want that to be me. I didn't want to ever run myself so far into the ground that um, that that I literally collapsed, which is a sort of essentially what happened with my mum, although it's much more complicated than that. Um, and And really, I think, as well when Arthur was diagnosed and I knew that we were really in this parenting thing for the long term. And I know obviously every parent is always a parent, but when you have a disabled child mm. who's probably not going to be independent, it is mm-hmm. really an intense level of parenting. Yeah. Infinity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, hopefully he will outlive me. Um, which obviously brings about its own um challenges if he's not independent. But um 
so I, I really, since I've became a parent particularly, I'm very careful about how much I rest I get because mm. I know I have to continue this for a sort of indefinite amount of time. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm really, really fierce about my rest. So I guess it becomes like a matter of pacing yourself, um, which exactly. is, is almost quite um, counter to what a lot of people find when they become parents, that rest is the first thing to go and then everything else starts to fray a little bit around the edges as well so having that kind of front and center of what you need to um, prioritize is a very good way of looking at it I know it's certainly not how I looked at rest you know when the babies are born and people say oh when the baby sleeps you sleep and I was like <laughs> like hell I will um, <laughs> because when the baby sleeps I've got so much else to do um, but yet it's is quite a wise adage for a reason it is and I think um I'm I'm gonna caveat all of that by saying it's not that I always get the rest I need mm-hmm. I always try to get the rest I need but things thwart me of course they do um and like you know one example is that you know um my son is 11 now and he has never slept well um although he does sleep a lot better now, a lot better now actually um thank god thank God he sleeps a lot better, but I'm not going to count on it as being a permanent thing necessarily because who knows what's ahead. But I mean, regularly until he was 10, there would be one or two nights a week where he started the day at 2am. Mm. Be it. Um, and it's hard. It's really hard. And I would sometimes be quite upset and angry on those days. <laughs> um, at first, you know, when you kind of know, I think the worst bit about those days is because when my son wakes up, he doesn't go back to sleep. That's the problem. Um, he can't switch off again. And so he would wake me in the night and it would become very clear within about 10 minutes that this was mm. the beginning of our day, not just a night wake up. And I would be just filled with rage inside knowing that I had to completely rearrange my day because you can't, you know, function properly mm-hmm. three hours sleep. No. And so I will say that even though I try and get the rest that I need, it doesn't always work. So there are things that get in the way. Um, but it's just interesting because I had a, a conversation actually with a friend who is, has just got, um, is just handing in her final edits for her book. And she had just gone to the copy shop and printed out like a proper copy. So she could do a final read through with like on paper. Um, but the previous night she'd only had about two hours sleep, partly anxiety, you know, with the edit and partly because interrupting children. And, um, and she came, she swung by my house on the way and we had a little doorstep chat and she's just like, I'm just going to go home and I'm just going to start. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 when is it due? And it was a couple of days away. And, she, and I was just like, you know, just don't, don't do it today. She could hardly speak. She was so tired. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 you can't. Like we get in a panic sometimes, I think when we're on deadlines um, and we think the most efficient and productive thing is to keep going. But actually, there are days where the most efficient thing you can do is to rest and then pick up again the next day. I think that's completely right. I really struggle. um, I struggle with switching off from most things. So, like, even if I had a different job, I would still be obsessed with it. I've never been able to switch off from work. I'm really bad at it. Um, But what I find particularly hard is when you're working from home you don't have that kind of delineation between an office environment you don't have the commute you don't have the 
the kind of switch off time but also it's always there there isn't like a door that you can close and you can just walk away from it and then also when it's something that exists in your head um you're constantly making it so like I will go to bed and just as I'm falling asleep I usually get like my best ideas or like voices mm-hmm. start talking to me really strongly so I have to start writing them down because I'm really scared that they'll kind of escape I'm almost like oh my god no this is the best bit this is a bit and I try and like I'll try and say lines over and over to avoid having to sit up and switch the light on and get my notebook from next to the bed but then I will um and then I do stuff and then I go to sleep and then I'll wake up and there's like other lines in my head and that by that stage I'm too tired but I'll just like make notes on my phone or send messages I send so many messages to myself oh that's a Get good more idea. messages yeah yeah I've got like <laughs> though I'm always scared that I send them to the wrong person and they'll end up with like really with... badly spelt half gibberish that <laughs> makes no sense um but yeah I do that and then I'll wake up and first thing when I wake up I start thinking as well about work because kids are now at the stage where they will wake up but sometimes I'm awake before then mm-hmm. now which is quite bizarre so sometimes like I'll wake up maybe about six-ish and they won't be up and so I'll start thinking about work as well and then I start you know and so it's kind of it's never not there and I think yeah. that that's what makes it really hard because like I can be chopping onions in the kitchen and it's still there or I can be watching something on TV and I'm like oh that's a brilliant way to write a scene or that's a brilliant way to bridge a scene or oh that that so I'm taking notes and it's just like hmm then I start realizing that I'm never actually not doing it and that isn't productive like you say you've got to have some time where you're not doing it to be able to refresh yourself and do it well um which is tricky it is tricky I actually don't have that much trouble I mean I am thinking if I'm in the middle of writing project I'm actually at the moment I'm re completely rewriting a proposal and it's this there like most of the time and I don't think that's that big a problem so much as is it's when it's um it's when you don't allow yourself to physically do anything else. I think like, um, like yesterday morning, Saturday, it's, we're recording this on a Sunday yesterday morning, I woke up and the kids were all just like chilled and like doing their own thing. It was very nice. And so I just made a coffee and sat down and worked for an hour, but it was because like you, like the, it was all there. The ideas were all there. Um, and then I put it away again and I had most of the day doing other things and even watched TV and did things because the kids were with their dad. And, um, and came back to it at like four o'clock and did like just another hour just because I couldn't get it out of my head and I had all yeah. these ideas and I needed to get it down. Um, but yesterday still felt like a really restful day. Mm-hmm. You know, See, I, I ended up those... doing a few hours of work, but yeah. it just, um, but it still felt like a really restful day. I love those kind of days because it felt like that this morning. So I'll come back when we're talking about um, our rest. I'll talk about what I did yesterday. But this morning, like I got up and um, the kids were all happy um, in their PJs and my husband was pottering around um, doing probably the stuff that I should have been doing. And I just put my headphones on and wrote a few scenes because I got something that I'm trying to finish. Um, so yeah, put my headphones on and the music really loud so that I couldn't hear the children and then just did some work and it was really nice. And that felt quite like, I always class at those times as 
it is work but it's also sort of not work like I like weekend work I really love working mm -hmm. on a Sunday if I don't go like I've got to work if I kind of just do the Sunday morning kind of pottering things if I read my book if I have a newspaper if we go for a wee wander um and then in the afternoon like you say you just get a couple of hours done and it feels really restful and I think does, that's something we've said too is that work can feel like a rest it just depends how you approach it and you can get those really intense obsessive slightly um compulsive not very healthy times and then you can have other times <laughs> now, obviously that's caveated that's that's just um me or certain times of the book's evolution and then there can be other times where yeah it is quite nice you can just work a bit on it and it doesn't feel quite so um whatever the word is frantic, yeah. frantic well, you know, yeah. what's interesting the thing that i was thinking about when we decided to talk about this topic was that um i think rest can feel really risky it can feel yeah. like a risky choice and I think that's the reason why it can feel really difficult to do. And just like what with my friend the other day, she was saying to me, well, what do you do when you've only had two or three hours sleep? Because she obviously knows our family situation quite well. And I was like, well, I rest first. I have to. And she's like, do you think I have time? And I'm like, you, it, it's a risk. It does feel like a risk. You know, mm -hmm. you're cutting time away from a deadline. But what you're doing is giving yourself the brain power to be able to finish the work properly um, exactly. and it's not an easy choice to make it's not mm -hmm. an easy choice especially if you're on a deadline um, but even if your deadlines are internal even if you said I promised I'd finish this draft by the end of the month or whatever it is and I'm and I don't feel like I can allow myself time to rest um, it's difficult I think it's so personal for each of us how much rest we need as well and we can only make those choices um, you know, for ourselves, nobody else can dictate to you how much rest you need, but it can feel really risky. I think even just acknowledging that the, um, the urge not to rest is, is caused by the fact that rest can feel really risky is, is quite a good start. So if you feel, if you're the kind of person that feels that you don't allow yourself to stop on a project because you're afraid that you'll lose momentum, if you're afraid you won't lose your, you'll meet, you won't meet your deadlines, um, then it's worth just acknowledging that up front because I think that can go quite a long way to recognising why you're not allowing yourself to rest. Um, because the thing is that when we do do proper rest, like big rest, like I took the whole of Christmas off any kind of work, whether that's like writing projects or photography stuff or whatever. Um, and I read just incessantly and I just hung out with the kids and cooked and that was basically all we did. And... Um, that took me it was good it was i really needed i really really needed it but it still took me i would say one or two weeks afterwards to get back up to momentum again so that is a risk that you take mm -hmm. that it takes like you have a rest and it takes a little while to get back into projects again but i still think the risk is worth it i still think that was incredibly valuable even though it took me a bit of time to get back into and that getting back that taking time to get back into something after resting it doesn't always feel comfortable yeah i find for me um it's not so much that it's the risk of like um of not allowing myself to do it but i can't i hate losing momentum mid project mm. i can't do it 
Um, so, for instance, I had this proposal that I wanted to get done and I'd been working on it um, concurrently with rewriting the last days, um, just kind of thinking about it and making notes and doing um, bits and pieces. And I'd, I started it before the last days sold as well, because it took so long to sell that I was at the stage of going, right, is it going to sell? Is it not? Um, and so I didn't want to kind of have nothing there because I was quite worried about that so I started this proposal and then I got the rewrites done and then the last days went away back to my editor so I knew that once it went back to her I was going to go into um, the proposal again and I couldn't take time um, during the proposal just because like I I don't know um, I think it's just how my brain works that I I'm not sure that I can pick up because there's a lot of strands to it, as you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's a lot to it. And so I felt like I was constantly holding in my head um, all these bits. And that if I put that down, I wasn't sure if I could. And I still don't know if I could have picked up the bits again. Yeah. So I needed to keep going. And it unfortunately coincided um, with the Easter holidays as well, because the kids had been off school for like, 19 years or something with yeah. um, lockdown so they went back to school I went like all out on the proposal but it took so long to because like the way I work is I write something down and it's not right and then I rewrite it and then keep going until you get to the idea and the idea sometimes is nothing like the first idea so the process just took ages to getting to something that I was happy with um but yeah, so I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop mm. mid-project. And I really can't stop mid-project. Um, and I actually think that that's fine, so long as you know that. So yes. long as you know that about yourself and so long as everyone around you knows that um, as well. So that it's kind of like there will be times where I will be completely obsessed and completely caught up. And like I always like to think that I balance it by being like, oh, I've got, I've got the food shopping order in and this is done and that's done and there's all these systems in place which is actually just a load of bullshit because when I'm less busy I can be I'm much more efficient and then when I'm mid-project everything else just goes out the window like the kids get fed but do they get fed incredibly well no um is the house clean no like all those other things go and that comes back to what we spoke about in the past like giving yourself permission so it is there are periods that are really super intense and they're really intense and they do take their toll on me but then I know that at the end of that I'm now trying to learn that I can't go <laughs> from one straight into the next and I want to go straight into the next but I've got to go well you could have a weekend yeah it's the people apparently do yeah and it's and i think but there is you're so you're so right it's about self-awareness and knowing mm -hmm. how how you work best and knowing that you can't stop mid-project means that you have to build rest in between projects mm -hmm. yeah yeah and, and, also, and that's that kind of self-awareness is so important i think that's something that only comes with time and with yeah. looking at the way you function and not trying not to copy the way anyone else does it exactly. as well yeah mm. I think it comes with practice as well because now I know that that's what I'm like and I want to think that I'll write really slowly and get this really beautiful first draft done but it doesn't work like that it's like I have to do quite a rapid draft which mm. actually I'm, sl I'm 
I'm getting better at like pre-planning now. So like for the next book, everything is very, very planned. The first yeah, I was going to say your proposal, planning. the way you're doing it is a really quite a detailed plan, isn't it? So Yeah, it's really, really planned. Um, and I find that that really helps now when I'm sitting down because, and that weirdly actually helps with the rest because it's out my head and it's, yes, and it's down. Yes, page. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're not so holding not, so much in your head in yeah, one go. Yeah. So it's not like, like I got that out and now I can go and do chapter, chap, you know, do the research and write by chapter rather than writing by book mm. and having it like all there, which is, um, is really different and is a really big thing. And I do think that actually helps with kind of it not being such a compulsion. It's more of it's it's planned. And because it's planned, I'm not so worried about forgetting bits. Yeah. And it's the same um, with the treatment that I've just finished and the episodes that I've been writing as well is that helped actually writing episodically helps with rest because because mm. you're not writing a book you're writing an episode and you can break an episode into scenes yeah and that's much better too but yeah you're completely right it's just knowing yourself mm. and knowing that it's almost like seasons isn't it you'll have times when you're really intense and then you'll have times where it's a little bit less intense and you're kind yeah. of recuperating and you can go to the sea and throw sticks and stuff and it's always nice absolutely and I think it's really important to say as well that you know everybody really needs different amounts of rest you know like um depending on what's going on in your life and who you are as well I'm Mm -hmm. obviously lots of people live with chronic illnesses that require way more rest than someone who doesn't um you know I'm a single parent with a child who doesn't love to sleep and is also super intense to be around Mm -hmm. (laughs) as much as I adore being around him. It's very intense. I need actually quite a lot more rest than other people I know. Um, And that's something I've known about myself for quite a long time. So I've kind of built my life to allow it. And one of the things that I do for myself, which, um, which does feel risky sometimes is that my childcare, especially this past year, because this past year I've not had, well, certainly the past six months, I've not been able to work outside of the home as much because of all the craziness going on, mm-hmm. particularly around Arthur. Um, and so I've been working at home more. So technically I could have actually not had childcare after school um, this past six months. I could have just said, right, okay, for the time being, until I'm really shooting a lot again, I won't have it. The reason I still have it, um, we even actually had to change childcare um, during that time because our previous nanny got really ill. But um, so I could have just not hired someone and saved the money. Um, But, you know, the reason I have childcare a couple of afternoons a week is essentially so that I can rest. And I know Mm -hmm. that most people would find that completely insane. (laughs) But the reason I do is because I could technically, I could squeeze my work between nine and three but it would be a squeeze. And I know that I wouldn't exercise. I wouldn't take lunch breaks. I wouldn't go for walks. I wouldn't be able to have as much, I wouldn't have any uh, really any much thinking time. I'd be like back to back work all day long. And I know a lot of people do that. Um, And it's a huge luxury and privilege to be able to pay for childcare a couple of afternoons a week. But what it does for me, it it allows for those other things to happen during the day that I find really hard to do when my son is around. And so essentially for the past six months, my childcare has been paid for so that I can rest. Mm. Um, And yeah, it's, um, 
I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think I'm that's really okay with that. <laughs> I think it is. It's about finding the balance and finding um, what's right and what works for you. And I think, you know, being able to have that is brilliant and is really valuable as well. We don't have childcare, it's, work is into school hours and then squeezed into the um, other times in between. So it's, it's frantic and everything is a bit of a glorious mess all the time um which which I like most of the time but it doesn't it's not easy it's not easy um having four kids and all of that and everything is quite <laughs> all the time intense. um but yeah it is intense but we tend to um have quite lazy times as well like the kids are in their pajamas just now and they're having a, they're all got colds and everybody's a bit run down so yeah they're having a quiet day and I think it's important as well to realize that kids need rest too so mm -hmm. that you can have those days where they're quiet and I think the pandemic to a certain extent has has reframed that um that rest is is okay and that you can be at home and that you can be comfortable at home and everything else has suddenly got stripped away I think I just realized that I used up the time so we used to be really quite busy at weekends we still are they like the kids the boys have their football and stuff so we're always kind of trying to work stuff around football um but like you know it used to be art galleries or shows or you know you're always going to something there was always something on and then suddenly there isn't something on so there's more chance to rest. I just think that I kind of went, oh, there's nothing on right now. I can work more. And I think the danger can be as well that for me, I was so used to having kids around and very young children and looking after them. And that kind of it's so intense when they're little. Mm. I had two. Like there was 17 months between my boys. Mm. So it was super intense. I effectively had like two babies. And so I was just like probably just pumped full of adrenaline all yes. the time just going and going and going and then squeezing working into any other time and squeezing everything in and for quite a while I couldn't squeeze it in because it was just it was literally too much I was too mm -hmm. but I think it, sometimes the danger can be that if you're so used to squeezing work into small stretches of time that when you have a larger stretch of time I suddenly realized I was using the larger stretches of time and the smaller stretches of time and then lockdown came and there was places not to go to. And then I was working then too. And then suddenly I realized that I was effectively just working all the yeah. time. I think and that's not so good. many people experienced that this past mm -hmm. year. I think that, yeah, I mean, I've, I've spoken to countless people who's, who either they or their partner work their commute now instead of, eating breakfast and hanging out with the kids or doing other things, going for walks or whatever. And um, lots of people ended up giving their employers more time accidentally. Mm -hmm. And I think if we're not careful about that kind of time, um, it can, we can get squeezed. Um, mm -hmm. But speaking of which, both of us have been doing some time logging lately. Um, and that's been quite interesting. What did you, what did you, um, find when you logged your time, which by the way, for anyone who doesn't know, we've been, um, time logging generally is done in like 30 minute increments and you literally write down everything you do in 30 minute increments so that you can take a look at the time that you actually spend 
on things because often it's quite different to how we think we spend time because we're not actually very good as humans <laughs> at judging how we actually spend our time. Um, so it can be a really, really effective exercise when you, if you're trying to find more time to rest or trying to find more time to work or uh, trying to get a side project off the go and you want to actually see where your time is going. Um, so Ali, what did you find when you did time logging again? Um, it was really interesting. I uh, just spent most of my time working. Um, most of it was... <laughs> Brad, so yeah, that, that's basically what it showed. It showed that I like, I'm really, I'm like, fuck, I'm really dull. I don't do very much else. Um, yeah, it, but like, I, I think I multitask because I listen to music when I work. So that's my, <laughs> I, at least I still get to listen to music. I love music. So I was like, right, well, at least that's one thing. Um, yeah, most of the time I'm like shoving. So like preschool time is obviously quite intense putting the washing on trying to get kids out the house getting their hair done trying to find shoes wondering if anyone's got matching socks see constant refrain matching socks mm -hmm. where the tights are why there's holes in tights why the shoes don't fit you know just all of that so, and then um but the good thing is like I walk everywhere so I can kid myself that I'm getting exercise because I walk a lot and so school run is a walk and then um, quite often we'll walk a long way home to get a coffee on the way home because it's the small things. Um, yeah, so uh, that's not too bad. But I did realise that I'm, I do work over lunchtimes most days. Um, so lunchtime is a bit of a um, myth. I'll usually be like, I'll answer emails over lunchtime or I'm doing stuff over lunchtime. It made me think I want to be more protective of the times when I'm doing like admin and stuff mm. and like answering emails. Cause I find that like when a mess or like if I get sent a message, I feel I have to respond right away or have a reason why I have to respond, but you don't. And so it's kind of like, I'm quite tempted to maybe put on like an out of office that these are the times when you can expect a response. Um, because I like to have like between like quarter past nine till I can't even remember when the kids get off just after three about quarter past three for working for writing for like yeah. proper writing for yeah. intense writing because that's long you enough to need get... to be alone for and you yeah. want to have yeah exactly exactly and yeah um and I've discovered that I'm quite protective of that I don't do other things in that time like that's I good. won't yeah yeah I won't clean I won't cook I won't I just don't I just that is work time yeah. and is very much a block of work time um I also realized weirdly through time logging and it's a strange diversion but I realized that I'm quite obsessed with this um stray cat who comes to visit she kept uh, appearing on my time log because I I go looking <laughs> for her and she now she hears the front door and she comes running up our path and we give her food and talk to her and I realized that like this cat kept cropping up like went to look for the cat which is quite odd Oh no, I, my, my cat has turned up quite a lot in this log because the last <laughs> time I did logging, we didn't have a cat, which, because the last time I, I did some logging last autumn, um, it's not something you need to do all the time by any means. It is a bit time consuming, but it's a really good thing to kind of do periodically. And I find whenever there's any kind of life change and change in lifestyle, it's a really good time to do it. But yeah, so this time my cat featured quite a lot. And, um, and also what's interesting for me is because, you know, 
I always I write down when Arthur's having meltdowns and stuff because they can become all encompassing and mm. trying to keep him safe and trying to you know tidy up after meltdowns if there's been a big mess made that kind of thing and so I can quickly see look at a day and see okay there was a meltdown there yeah I needed to because after quite an intense one and they don't last a really long time or anything they don't go for hours and hours and hours but they can be really intense and it takes all of my energy emotional and physical mm. energy to deal with them and so I can see yeah okay I took a step back I didn't try and do too much I've got this thing that ha- that I that clicks into place when we have a big you know difficult time during a day <laughs> where I take I automatically take all pressure away afterwards because I know I need to then get to the end of the day with massively depleted energy and I'm still dealing with the kids. And even though Arthur is probably giggling and joyful again, because he bounces back amazingly from massive meltdowns, which is excellent, but I don't always bounce back quite in the same way in terms of how much energy it's taken from me. But yeah, it's time logging can be really interesting for seeing those kind of patterns. Um, And for me, interestingly, the act of time logging and um, makes me notice what I'm doing so well that I don't even even have to look back over them so much. It's like the act of doing it mm-hmm. makes me conscious of how I'm spending my time and, oh, I've just worked nonstop and I didn't stop for lunch today. Oh, right, yes, because it's a school day and I have to leave the house at three o'clock and that's why. And so it kind of reminds me why I'm still paying for childcare even though I'm not shooting as much at the moment and things like that. And it can be quite good at, reinforcing choices that you've made but also making you question choices that you've made and that maybe you haven't really rethought because maybe it worked a year ago whatever choice Mm -hmm. you made for your lifestyle but maybe it's not working quite so much anymore but I think time logging can be great if you really struggle with rest and you don't know where you're going to be able to find it or if you think sometimes what's really interesting about time logging is you think you never rest and then you realize when you look back over it, oh, hang on, I spent that evening watching TV and I spent that evening reading a book and I spent that morning in bed and I spend, you know, and sometimes the time logging can bring attention to what we're doing that we're not actually conscious we're mm-hmm. doing we're doing it. And that can be really helpful too. Yeah, I think that that can be really helpful if you are the kind of person who <laughs> shit talks yourself for not doing enough. Yeah, Because exactly. basically it's, it's like all there and you can go, oh, yeah, I actually do do things. Um, I don't just like sit in a heap doing nothing. Um, exactly. And it's quite nice because you can see the output. You can say, oh, yeah, I did write that or I did do this. Because I think sometimes if you're writing in a bit of a um, daze or like – like deep in your subconscious you can forget that you've done it bizarrely um no, and so if it's true. written yeah. down yeah so yeah. when it's written down you're like oh yes yes I did that's good I've done that and I think it could probably really help although I've not done it but like when I'm line editing um mm. because because you don't have a tangible output at that there's stage. not something to quantify it so easily is yeah. it yeah yeah um because there isn't something new um, so there's more of that, right? Well, I was still doing something, yeah, and something exactly. really important because you're not going to you know, really important, can't yeah, be line <laughs> edited, sadly. Um, so yeah, I think that it is quite useful. I mean, I got a bit resentful of it because I get resentful when I feel like I'm being told 
what to do and I felt yeah. like oh my goodness I've got to keep doing this um so <laughs> I wasn't you're in so, a rebel is pushing back yeah yep. I wasn't so great at the like half hour segments particularly when I was working because I wasn't paying attention to every half hour because otherwise I would have had to have come out of actually working oh, I, and actually saying that I don't log by the half hour I I mean I log by the, everything is incremented out by half an hour but I don't do it every half an hour yeah I do I come back to the log which I just keep in the back I'm very old school I just do it actually by hand um, yeah, in the too. back of my notebook but there are apps you can do you can literally you could put it in a spreadsheet you could put it wherever you want whatever's easiest for you just do whatever works for you um but I only go back into the log about once every three hours but I but that's partly because if I know I'm logging I'm I kind of mentally I make mental notes of what I'm doing yes and with yeah. things like work I separate out things like writing retouching admin mm -hmm. um, emails that kind of thing because I like to know what kind of work I'm doing and if I'm spending yeah. too much time doing faffing about doing admin or that I'm like working on my website or I'm working on this proposal just so I can see across my workday what I've been doing and also whether I'm doing stuff like taking lunch breaks um, but um, and having conversations with friends and things like that and running into a friend on the way back from the school run and having a coffee with them for 10 minutes on the street, you know, just it's I write things like that down to remind myself, yes, you have seen somebody you have had like it was 10 minutes, but it's amazing how much 10 minutes of social time can improve your day, I have to say. Um, but yeah, so I do find the time logging super helpful for, like you said, reminding me how much I'm getting done. And mm -hmm. so that I don't shit talk myself and say, I'm getting nothing done today. And I can look at the log and I'll be like, I got shit loads done today. Um, and also to remind myself when maybe I'm running myself into the ground. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I started seeing um, what time I was going to bed. Oh, interesting. Which is quite useful. <laughs> yeah. What was interesting for me is I went to bed at exactly the same time, pretty much every single day that I did the, um, the log. And I was, that was again something that I hadn't quite realized I had nailed and I've nailed it and I'm really proud of myself <laughs> and it's so realistic to, to kind of um to look at something like that in black and white and be like oh my god I'm managing to go to bed um and I and we have such a strong night routine because of Arthur and, and I'm doing it I'm managing to get to bed at a certain time and yeah it's incredible I'm in bed around about 11 every single night depending on how much Arthur needs me like what time exactly he falls asleep but um but yeah it's it's really good for kind of showing you things you might not have noticed yeah it is good and I was quite surprised um because I'm often quite down on myself about how much time I do or don't spend with the kids mm. I think I don't spend that much time with them and I don't spend as much time as I would like with them because they're kind of I don't mean they're completely happy on their own, but they are getting to the stage where yeah. they are quite content um, on their own. But then I was realizing things like, oh yeah, I did take them to the park and I took Sally out on his bike and, you know, we've done these kind of things. Yeah. And that's quite nice too. And I think again, like pre-lockdown, it was quite obvious what you were spending your time on because you go, oh, on Saturday we went to a gallery or on Sunday we did this. It was a big And now thing. it's just kind of morphed into this, right now we are in the house. Yeah. Or well, we've gone a walk. I think that's so important because I think we do, as women, very often beat ourselves up about how much we are or aren't spending 
with our kids. And um, when I did this, I did a workshop around time last autumn, and um, I'm sure Annie won't mind me saying this because I think she talked about it probably on her Instagram. Annie Vidout did the course and she said the thing that was so interesting to her is when she did the time logging is that she was convinced she wasn't spending much time with her children. And she re when she did all the numbers across two weeks, she realized she spent um, 20 hours working each week and 40 hours directly with her children while they weren't sleeping. Yeah. just hanging out with them and she was just like oh my god there it is in black and white i'm actually being quite a good parent <laughs> and um and i think sometimes we do need those reminders of um of things that are in the back of our minds that we're kind of constantly worrying about about a balance between work and rest and time with our kids and time with partners and time with friends and all of those things that we worry that we're not doing right but we're not doing enough sometimes the evidence sometimes we are doing great and the mm -hmm. evidence is there if we allow ourselves to look at it. Yeah, I think that's completely right. It's quite nice just to have that kind of tangible record of how you spent your day. So if anyone is interested in um, diving into this stuff a little bit more, I am. I did a workshop last autumn and now I'm redesigning it as a course, um, which is going to be available in the next week or two, um, depending on when we put this podcast out. But do keep an eye out for it um, on if you're on my email list or on um, my social media things. Instagram is probably a good place. Um, but, but these are some of the things that I talk about in the creating time course that I do. And it's not just about creating time to work, although definitely for a lot of people, that's what they want it for. It can also be creating time to rest. Um, and also it's not just about making time. It's not about becoming more efficient necessarily. It's not about becoming more productive. It's about choosing how you want to spend your time and also looking at how you're spending your time already. And a lot of the times, like we've both just said, sometimes we just need to look at the evidence that things actually are quite good. Like you're doing some things right and you're doing, you are already doing some things that are really in line with your values and what you want your life to look like. And sometimes we need reminders of those things as well. So shall we talk about what we've been reading? Yes. Have you been reading? Because you've been a bit unwell this past week. Have you been able to read much? <laughs> yeah, I've been fine. <laughs> Come on, I prioritise my time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been reading. I've been reading a lot, um, surprisingly. Um, yes, so I loved, so a friend um, told me to read um, My Phantoms by Gwendolyn Riley. And oh, yes, is it good? Mm -hmm, I've had it sitting there. And I was like, mm, I don't want to read this. Um, because it's about a complicated mother-daughter relationship and um, I know them quite well so I was like oh do I really need to do this yeah. but it's really short and I well it's not that short actually it's like 200 pages so I think I'm doing it a disservice by saying it's really short but it felt short which must be a good thing so I um, I started to read it and I couldn't put it down it's absolutely brilliant um, it's about a woman called Helen, she's called Hen to her friends and it's narrated by her daughter and, um, and she's just quite an awful mum, she's really quite hideous. Um, her, so the narrator's mother and father are divorced, she kind of at the beginning she goes into her father 
in more detail and then her mother starts to emerge from that her dad is just one of these awful characters he's terrible he's really awful and so you when you're reading it you think oh my goodness his poor wife you feel really sorry for hen which is quite a clever setup so that when it comes to her kind of foibles and her um failings as a mother you already understand them a bit because they're contextualized against this man hen is a really dissatisfied character she's completely dissatisfied with her life and it just shows it's just there in everything that she does she expected more from life but she's also very much tied um to the time and the time was that you kind of had your rebellion and then you got married and you lived in the mm. suburbs and that was it. And she's trying to break free of this and she goes to art galleries and she goes to um, book readings and different things. But she's very conscious of these. These are like her signifiers. She's very, you know, talking about them constantly. And you're never quite sure if she's actually doing it either because she's constantly telling her daughter. And when you begin to read between the lines, you see that she sees her daughter once a year on her birthday and very little other time in between. And it's always so awkward when they're together in the birthday scenes because they don't know how to talk to each other. They don't know how to communicate and you start feeling or I started to feel quite frustrated with the narrator as well because you realize that the narrator is quite blank too and so you can you can see her failings um from how she's been raised so you can see how these things become intergenerational as well it's very mm -hmm. clever um and then the mother becomes very ill in the last act and it's really heartbreaking and I think that you go it takes you on a journey as the reader from feeling really frustrated with the mother to feeling really deeply sorry for her because she's a woman who's never you know she's lived this whole life that she's never been satisfied with it's just a bit of a waste she's never found herself and and it becomes quite um it's quite an interesting take on previous generations and mm. and yeah it's a really beautiful book it's a it's a brilliant book it um it ended me <laughs> at the end I I was in complete tears um but it it was brilliant really good book it's out on Granta um and I love Granta I always think that you're quite if you pick up a book from their list you know that you're going to get something mm. really good yeah. and really thought-provoking it's it's one of these essential presses um yeah. so yeah great book thoroughly recommend it in fact i want to go and read her other work now that i've read that so i'm going to dive into that but yeah oh, I really love brilliant that when, when you read a new author and you're like oh they have a backlist they can go through <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've been doing that a lot this year actually but yeah, it's really good how about you well first of all I'll say I took Christina Sweeney Baird's advice and I read The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue and she was absolutely right it's like I it's very long and it doesn't feel long at all and it could have been longer and I loved every second of it it, I listened on Audible and it was 17 hours and honestly it just went <laughs> so quickly and I listened to it over the bank holiday weekend. I just binged it whenever I was like cooking, cleaning, folding laundry, um, you know, helping, uh, like helping Arthur go to sleep, whatever I was doing, I just squeezed in as much listening as I could and it was a dream, loved it. Um, and I'm, I've just now finished listening to um, 
uh, it is uh, Greg McEwan's new book. He wrote a book that I loved a few years ago called um, Essentialism, which is about boiling down um, everything in your life to these essentials so that you always know that you're kind of, I guess, living life in line with your values and, and what you want to spend your time on and what you want to put your focus on. Um, and his new book is called Effortless. Um, and the subtitle is, um, what is that? Making it easy to do what you want to do in life. Um, and it is just all about making life as effortless as possible. And by effortless, he doesn't mean um, uh, don't, you know, don't care and don't pay attention. It's just about making it easy to do, to live the life that you want to do. And it's just mm. brilliant. It's, it's pulls on lots of different um, kind of behavioral science and different things like that. But he's also just a really, really great communicator. He boils things down to like really great, simple messaging, which I really like. So I would highly recommend that. Um, yeah. So that's what I've been reading this week. Oh, sounds good. Yeah, I had I was gripped by a desire yesterday when I woke up to sort all my um, short stories, all my books of short stories, all together, which I've not done yet. Um, but I'm thinking about short stories a lot, and I, um, yeah, they're on my mind. And I also have this thing: I want to group all the books <laughs> I have that have ambiguous endings and put them together too was in my head I don't know it might be spring it might be that because I got all the vinyl out yesterday and sorted it too which was a rest it felt so restful and so nice I got all the vinyl because when we moved to London we just kind of um were so busy that we just shoved everything into the shelves and hoped it worked and then I got really frustrated because I didn't even know like what we have because we've got so many records I was like yeah. I don't know who we've got so I laid it all out on the sitting room floor and sorted it into piles and chronological order for certain bands and then put all the Scottish music together and oh it felt so I feel so organized and it will make listening so much easier and present buying because now I know what we have and what we uh, and I think that's such a good note to end on rest also it doesn't always look like rest to other people you know what you consider rest might not be restful to other people and that's okay it's no one mm -hmm. else's business what you find restful. Exactly. <laughs> and actually, interestingly, I was listening to um, Ategua Awagba's um, podcast the other day, which is called In Good Company, which, by the way, is is just an absolutely brilliant podcast. I highly recommend it. But there was a her last episode was with Pandora Sykes. And and she said to her, um, I always get really jealous because it looks like you um, you make such an effort to read. And I just watch way too much TV. And Pandora was like, no, 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 you don't understand. Reading is restful for me reading is like reading is my rest like it's not I don't find it challenging I don't I'm not doing it because I need to get through the books I don't need to you know I'm doing it literally because I'm sitting on my ass and I'm feeling really lazy and I decide I want to read for the whole evening um and I think that's so interesting and a good note to end on that just because it's rest to you it doesn't mean everyone else is going to agree with you <laughs> so choose activities that feel restful for you exactly Right, well, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Not Too Busy to Write with Ali Miller and Penny Windsor. You can find show notes, including the best ways to get in touch with us, as well as any reading recommendations mentioned in the episode at nottoobusytowrite.com. And if you're enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe 
And please go ahead and leave us a little review. It really helps others to find the podcast. You can find Ali on Instagram at Ali underscore Miller underscore rights and Penny at Penny Windsor. Music and editing is by Ewan Miller McMeekin.